Hello, everybody. It's May 19th. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide, a daily podcast in which we read aloud a daily portion from the Old and New Testaments with an excursion to the Book of Psalms and Proverbs also. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and it's my joy to encourage you in this noble endeavor of drawing daily from the well of the Holy Spirit-inspired writings that direct us to God's saving work in Christ. We trust that the Holy Spirit will bring us into a greater knowledge of Himself and God the Father, God the Son, and His redemptive activity in history. We're reading in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, the first of a series of books on the kings of Israel. As I read these pages, I think of the Apostle Paul breaking out into praise as he writes his protege Timothy in the New Testament. Now to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. In the New Testament today, we are reading from the Gospel according to John. We know that Jesus is the greater and truer David. David means beloved, and Jesus is the beloved Son of the Father. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. In fact, David calls his prophesied descendant, Jesus, his Lord in Psalm 110. So we look to Jesus as we read the scriptures. Through David's sorrows, as he's surrounded by opponents, jealous of the favor upon him, we get a glimpse into Jesus, who is opposed by the religious leaders of his day. The Psalms composed by David in his time as an outcast are centuries later found upon the lips of Jesus as he suffers bearing our sorrows on the cross. On nine distinct occasions, Saul attempts to kill David. In the New Testament, we see how the Pharisees seek to kill Jesus, and the Bible tells us that they're motivated by jealousy and envy. In each of David's experiences as a fugitive, he's learning to deepen his trust in God. May this inspire us to dignify every trial and circumstances we find ourselves in with a godly response. May we remain with such a disposition of heart and mind that we are eager to learn more of Christ and to walk in His ways. So let's set out on today's Bible reading journey with 1 Samuel chapter 24, beginning with verse 1. We read of David sparing Saul's life. 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 1. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took three thousand chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day in which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My Lord the King! And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, 
Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks your harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancients says, Out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you, and see to it, and plead my cause, and deliver me from your hand. As soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son, David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you have dealt well with me, in that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now, behold, I know that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me, and that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Chapter 25 The Death of Samuel Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him in his house at Ramah. Then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had three thousand sheep and a thousand goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him by name. And thus you shall greet him, Peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us, and we did them no harm, and they missed nothing all the time that they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we have come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son David. When David's young men came, they said all of this to Nabal in the name of David, and then they waited. And Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to men who come from I do not know where? So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this. And David said to his men, Every man strap on his sword. 
and every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword, and about four hundred men went up after David, while two hundred remained with the baggage. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master, and he railed at them. Yet the men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm, and we did not miss anything when we were in the fields as long as we went with them. They were a wall to us both by night and day, all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know this, and consider what you should do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his house, and he is such a worthless man that one cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste, and took two hundred loaves, and two skins of wine, and five sheep already prepared, and five seahs of parched grain, and a hundred clusters of raisins, and two hundred cakes of figs, and laid them on donkeys. And she said to her young men, Go on before me, behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. And as she rode on the donkey, and came down under cover of the mountain, behold, David and his men came down toward her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him, and he has returned me evil for good. God do so to the enemies of David, and more so, if by morning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she hurried, and got down from the donkey, and fell before David on her face, and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears, and hear the words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord, whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to you, my Lord, be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living in the care of the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, My Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him, and he said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted your petition. And Abigail came to Nabal, 
and behold, he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And about ten days later the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal, and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. Then David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to you to take you to him as his wife. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey, and her five young women attended her. She followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and both of them became his wives. Saul had given Michal, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was of Galim. This concludes our reading from the Old Testament passage in 1 Samuel. David has moved to the wilderness of En Gedi. Saul, momentarily diverted by Philistine raids on the land, pursues him once again with 3,000 choice men from all Israel. Providentially, Saul goes into a cave to relieve himself near the crags of the wild goats. David sneaks up on Saul unnoticed and cuts off a corner of his robe. Afterward, his conscience convicts him. David's men must have been bewildered that their leader let this opportunity to defeat his enemy slip away. So he said to his men, Far be it from me because of the Lord that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, since he is the Lord's anointed. David persuaded his men with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. And Saul arose, left the cave, and went on his way. 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 6 and 7. We can see how David is keeping what is pleasing to the Lord in view. David respected God's sovereign hand at establishing the rulers of Israel. He knew that God had permitted the office of the king and that Samuel had anointed Saul. David knew that he owed Saul reverence for his office's sake. David's pledge not to harm Saul was clearly vindicated in this incident. But the pledge not to touch the Lord's anointed did not mean that whoever holds the anointed office is above criticism or rebuke when necessary. David publicly rebukes Saul for his wickedness in verses 8 to 15. This shows that the command to touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm does not mean that they are beyond correction when there are biblical mandates to do so. Both Jonathan and Saul noticed David's resoluteness as a warrior. Both asked that David pledge that he would not destroy their households. 1 Samuel chapter 24 verse 21 and 1 Samuel chapter 20 verse 42. David is being instructed by the Lord and shaped for his future reign. He appeals to the Lord to be the judge between himself and Saul. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. 1 Samuel chapter 24 verse 12. Saul confesses that David is appointed by God as the future king of Israel. Now behold, I know that you surely will be king, and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 20. David moves down to the wilderness of Paran. 
There he meets a very wealthy man from Moan named Nabal, who had property there near the village of Carmel. David treats Nabal's shepherds with respect and hopes that they will show hospitality to his men, considering it was the time of the annual sheep-shearing festival and customary to do so. Nabal selfishly and stubbornly refuses to offer food and drink to David and his men. David reacts by telling his men to put on their swords and be ready for battle. One of Nabal's servants tells Nabal's intelligent and beautiful wife, Abigail, what is happening. 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 3. The servant lets Abigail know that David and his men meant no harm, but in fact showed them kindness and protected their shepherds and sheep during the sheep-shearing time. Nabal's servants know that Nabal is a wicked man that no one can talk to, and they hope that Abigail will intervene. Chapter 25, verse 28. Abigail is quick to do whatever she could to make peace. She provides ample food and drinks for David and his men without telling her husband Nabal. She apologizes for her husband's behavior, calling him a fool, in verse 25. David's vengeful nature resurges as he makes an inner vow to take revenge on Nabal for his insults and refusal to return their kindness. As Abigail is riding down a trail on her donkey, she meets David and humbly intercedes, pleading for mercy. She recognizes that David is God's appointed leader for Israel. Please forgive the transgression of your maidservant, For the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil will not be found in you all your days. Should anyone rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, then the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living, with the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord does for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you, and appoints you ruler over Israel, this will not cause grief or a troubled heart to my Lord, both by having shed blood without cause and by my Lord having avenged himself. When the Lord deals well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. 1 Samuel chapter 25, verses 28-31 through 31. Abigail, like Jonathan, helps David to do the right thing. She keeps David from avenging himself with his own hands. This was all done without being noticed by Nabal, who was throwing a party at his home, eating and drinking like a king. Abigail returns to find him drunk. She does not tell Nabal what she did to feed David and his men until the following day when Nabal has sobered up. When he hears what Abigail has done, he has a stroke and is paralyzed for about ten days, then dies. When Nabal dies, it is without David having his blood on his hands. It would have been a different story if it had not been for Abigail's intervention. David then asks Abigail to be his wife. He also marries Ahinoam of Jezreel. Before officially being installed as king, David is already violating God's command that kings do not multiply wives in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 17. King Saul forces his daughter Michal, who had married David, to become the wife of Palti, the son of Laish from Galim. While David trusted the Lord to fight his battles, He did not trust the Lord in providing a wife. Abigail provided David with God-honoring counsel, yet David did not seek the Lord's mind in the area of his relationship with the opposite sex. Just because a woman may be charming, intelligent, and able to give godly counsel does not mean that God's clear word should be disregarded. Now let's go to today's reading from the Gospel according to John in the New Testament. 
John chapter 10, verses 22 through 42. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, You are blaspheming, because I said, I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Again they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament passage in the Gospel according to John. A new scene begins in John chapter 10, verse 22. It is the Feast of Dedication, otherwise known as Hanukkah in Hebrew. This feast was not one of the seven feasts prescribed in the book of Leviticus, but one instituted by Judas Maccabeus about 165 B.C. on his purification of the temple after its defilement with idolatries by Antiochus Epiphanes. The feast is celebrated for eight days every year in the month of December. 1 Maccabees chapter 4, verse 52 and 59 in the Apocrypha. Jesus is in Jerusalem for the winter feast, and the Jews gather around him, asking him to plainly declare whether or not he is the Messiah. Jesus reminded them that they have already been given his word and his works as evidence. He also affirms both his and his Father's work in salvation. He and the Father are one. When he affirms that his words and works fit the bill, they want to stone him for blasphemy. Their intention from the start was not to believe, but to kill. This is the natural state of our unregenerate hearts. The evidence can be plainly presented to us, and we suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Jesus said, This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. John chapter 3, verse 19. This chapter closes the first section of the Gospel of John that deals with the public ministry of Jesus. What follows will be an account of his private ministry and events that lead up to his crucifixion. 
Jesus gives those who believe on him great assurance of their eternal security. In John chapter 10, verse 28, he says, And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. John 10, verse 28-30 Upon hearing this, the Jewish leaders pick up stones to stone him, accusing him of blasphemy, that he, a mere man, claims to be God. Chapter 10, verse 33 Jesus returns to the Jordan to where John had been baptizing in the early days. We learn that John never did a miraculous sign, and he was called the greatest born of women for many reasons, primarily because of his role as the Messiah's forerunner in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, and John chapter 10, verse 41. Jesus performed the signs that signaled he was the expected Messiah, and many believed on him. John chapter 10, verse 42. Let's move on to the Bible's songbook, the book of Psalms, Psalm 116, verses 1 through 19. And reading today's psalm will be Robert Meck. I love the Lord. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke. I am greatly afflicted, I said in my alarm. All mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Robert. All those born of the Holy Spirit can sing out the opening words of Psalm 116, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice, he heard my cry of mercy. Have you cried out to the Lord for mercy, like the publican in Luke chapter 18, verse 13? Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Look to Jesus and cry out, Lord, save me. Psalm 116, verse 4. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Psalm 116, verse 15. The gospel not only delivers us from death's penalty, but also the fear of death. Death for the believer is no longer a dreaded separation, but in the light of seeing the Lord face to face, a preferred choice. The Apostle Paul saw death as a gain, not a loss, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, and a thoroughfare to the greatest blessing in the life of a believer. Paul said, I prefer rather to be absent from the body and at home with the Lord, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. 
how important it is to gather with other believers to give God the praise and thanks that He is due. Psalm 116, verse 18 reads, I shall pay my vows to the Lord, O may it be in the presence of all His people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. And now we read from the book of Proverbs, a proverb a day keeps foolishness away. We're in Proverbs chapter 15, verses 20 and 21. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight ahead. Parents have a responsibility to train their children to live God-honoring lives fit for the kingdom of God. They need to understand their life purpose and goal and set off in the right direction, seeking first to be right with God, born from above, and pursuing their eternal purpose. Let me read the proverb again, this time from the New American Standard Version. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight. Let's pray. Lord, we can say with the psalmist, we love you. Thank you for hearing our heartfelt cry that you be merciful to us. We are sinners who cannot save ourselves. We need Jesus, and we believe that He is who He says He is, the eternal Son of God, the only Savior, the Good Shepherd, who laid down His life for us, taking our place on the cross. We believe He bore the punishment our sin deserved, so we could be treated by You the way He, who knew no sin, deserves to be treated. Such grace. Help us to worship in the presence of Your people when we gather together to honor Your name. We pray for the prosperity of your church around the world. Lord of the harvest, send forth laborers into your harvest fields and make us all effective and bold ambassadors for your kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there you have it. We have completed our readings in the Old and New Testaments. We have seen the greater and truer David and professed our trust in him, siding with the psalmist. I love you, Lord. So until next time, tomorrow, God willing, when we continue our reading, may you be filled with the joy of the Lord, and may we be signposts to Jesus. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at newlife.org, newlife.org. And if you'd like to know more about the ministries of New Life Community Church, you can visit our website at newlife.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you abundantly with his peace and joy.